Okay. All right, so um, today uh, we are going to leave here, and hopefully you've got some good plans, and uh, we are going to step in and celebrating our great nation, right? Because we live in the greatest nation with all these great, great moments in history and all these great people. And if you go, how many of you are going downtown D.C. today? Anybody? Can you sense the wisdom in this room right now? (laughs) But there will be thousands of people who will head downtown like sheep to a slaughter. No, um, they will go downtown to D.C. to see the fireworks and all the activities. Have you guys been downtown on the 4th before? It's good, right? It's good. It's just getting out of there is the, is the nightmare. But, but as they pour onto the mall, right, thousands and thousands of people, uh, what makes probably that area so special on the 4th are the monuments, right, and, uh, and all the, the indicators of these great collective groups of people or individuals that are recognized, that are, that are historical important figures that we have this chosen to say we need to remember this person or that person. So what are some of the monuments, without cheating here, that, uh, that, that first come to mind when you think about, you know, the mall? Lincoln, Jefferson, Washington. <laughs> all right now so so here's the deal so i i love going down there and, and part of moving over here i love uh taking my children down there and and showing them all these uh all these great memorials i have a, a cynthia's grandfather consider my grandfather he's a world war ii vet i'm living for the day to get him down there to see the world war ii memorial and, uh, and, and the thing of it is is what i want to talk to you about today just briefly is the idea of greatness what is it that all these people had in common? Was there anything there that they had in common that set them apart, either collectively or individually? All right? Now, at the forefront, let me say that I am a dad. I am very child-friendly, and I can tune out kids just real easily. So don't feel like you've got to get up and leave or whatever if, it's, if, it's too, uh, if you think, oh, it's I'm fathering Chris. No, it's not. It's all good, right? We're family-friendly today. It just speeds me up, gets me going faster. So, uh, amen, somebody said. So, all right, so when I was growing up, uh, my favorite American was Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, and I could not, I, every library, uh, every book in the library that was about Abraham Lincoln, I checked it out, I'd read it. And when I was 10 years old, my mom uh, bought me this book uh, on the life of Abraham Lincoln. And I, you know, I still have to this day, it's got bunches and bunches of letters that he wrote and pictures. It's just a historical thing of how this, this person, this, he was born in poverty in rustic Kentucky in, in a, just a, a rustic, rustic, rustic log cabin. And he went from some very humble beginnings to being not only the president of the United States, but arguably has put more of his DNA and his fingerprints on our country in five years than maybe anybody ever else has, Right. And when you begin to, to look at his life and you begin to say, what, what stood out about this guy? And what stood out about some of the other people that, that we commemorate as being altogether special? What you begin to find is there are some, there's some, some characteristics of greatness 
that match up exactly to what the Bible esteems as being great, to what the Bible challenges us for you and I to be pursuing in our lives, for what God says, hey, I have a plan for your life, and I want to bless you and prosper you. I want to see you hit your maximum potential, but he, there, these are the things that you need to be about in your life if you want to know what it means to be great, not necessarily in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God. So I'm going to give you a couple of things, actually a little more than a couple, just real quick, of things that I see in Scripture that, that totally uh, dovetail with some of the things that we celebrate about these different Americans who just really are stand apart. And the first thing is obedience. Obedience. Um, and what we mean by obedience is people who are willing to submit and honor the authority that's over them. People who are willing to submit and honor, to obey the standard and the rules that are above them. Now, uh, you know, there's a, there's a scripture there in Jeremiah 29, 11. Hit the next one here. Isaiah 1, 19, God says, if you will only obey me and allow me to help you, then you will have plenty. I think one of the greatest verses for me in the scripture, it comes in Hebrews where it says, the Lord Jesus learned obedience. Go figure that one out. If it's good enough for him, I figure it's good enough for us, Right? And so the idea of obedience is really a trust issue with God. Because if we can begin to think, hey, if God is over all authority in our lives, then why can't I sort of worship him by just being submissive and obeying those in authority over me? And uh, one of the, you know, some of the things that I had to learn was uh, delayed obedience is not really obedience, you know, wanting to do it when I want to do it. Um, you know, partial obedience it's not really obedience, you know, but, uh, but really learning to be people who obey simply. Now, I will challenge you to look anywhere in the scriptures. I will challenge you to know anything at all about church history with people who did the greatest things for God. And what you will find is none of them set out to have a reputation. None of them set out to form a legacy. None of them wanted to do great things. They were just people who knew how to faithfully obey. That is very encouraging to me. And if you're like me and you feel like I don't have, there's nothing special that I bring to the table. There's no real skill set here. But God takes people who learn the mystery of obedience and works with them. Second thing that, that sets people apart who are great is this idea of diligence. Now, diligence, right? Um, that's a pretty big word. Uh, what's the, what are, what are, how do you describe and define diligence? What do you think I mean by that? It's a godly work ethic. Now, <laughs> but it is stick-to-itiveness, right? It's perseverance. You know, my, my, uh, my dad used to say all the time, now, Chris, any job worth doing is a job doing well, right? That's, it's, it's instilling some sort of work ethic. And that's what, that's what good parents try to do with their children. And God wants us to know that the secret into developing diligence in your life comes with Colossians chapter 3. Look at this. Whatever you do, work at it with your, all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If you want to make sure that you're not a quitter, if you want to make sure that you have the stick to to persevere and to push through and to, and to really give your best consistently, to be known as a person that when you take on a task, it will be done well and it will be done on time and you will give your 100%. 
begin to visualize in your mind everything you do as doing it for the Lord. What would your bedroom look like if you picked it up for the Lord? You know? <laughs> that spreadsheet that you're going to have to do on Tuesday when you go back. What would that look like if you were doing that for the Lord? You know? What, what if we took our everyday simple task in life and said, hey, Rather than doing this for the man, you know, I'm going to do this for the man, you know, <laughs> the Lord, right? That is something that will transform your life. Um, Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining. And uh, we begin to foster a heart of gratitude when we begin to understand that God is in the process, according to Romans 8.28, working all things for the good of those who love him. And here are called according to his purpose. Diligence. Diligence will set you apart. Number three, uh, the, the greatest people, the greatest leaders, the people that God used the most, they were students. They were lifelong learners. Now, that doesn't mean you make it your lifelong voc vocation to be a college student. Uh, what that means is uh, you commit yourself to continually learning, continuing to be teachable, continuing to be a person that wants to know and to know more and to know more. Knowledge will elevate you and continue to elevate you continually in your spiritual journey as God teaches you the right way to apply that knowledge, which is wisdom. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God has one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. I think one of the things that I appreciated most about my upbringing is that my, my parents always, you know, you know, pushed it. We need to learn. We need to do our best in school. They would reward good grades and things like that. Uh, but even when I was in college and, uh, you know, and making, uh, you know, good grades in college, my dad would, he would appreciate it, but he would say, I just want you to know that it's most important to me that my children know the scriptures, that my children know the scriptures. The word of God is truth, and it will change your heart and mind like nothing else. One of the things that makes this country great is the way it stands apart from all other uh, nations and how we've overcome all these incredible ar uh, you know, odds, this American experience that's now lasted you know, well over two centennials, right? And what you'll find in our founding fathers is every one of them, what? They knew the word of God. They had like seminary degrees and stuff. And they pulled off this incredible, incredible thing that today we're celebrating today, independence and freedom. Fourth thing is prayer. Prayer sets people apart. Prayer sets you up for greatness. You know, a steadfastness in prayer, hard prayer, praying continually, as 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Um, you know, I, I want to be at a place in my life to where uh, my day is so aware. Throughout the day, I'm so aware of God's presence. I'm listening for him. I'm watching for him. And I'm having conversations with him. Rather than just processing things in my mind, I'm, I'm talking to him. You may think I'm on my Bluetooth as I'm driving around in the car. Maybe I'm talking to God, you know, and maybe he's talking back. And, uh, and I know that, that, that people, you know, in Christian spirituality, we, we struggle with pray without ceasing. Are you kidding me? I can't hardly like go five or ten minutes and then I feel like I'm done. All right, so try this trick. This really helped me. And I don't know who suggested this to me. But try this. Quit saying amen at the end of your prayers and see what happens. You know, why do we do that? 
Well, it's how you end the prayer. Yeah, exactly. Who taught you that? Well, I just heard it, you know. Amen. What does amen mean? Most people, you know, it's like, I don't know what amen means. It just seems like a very spiritual thing to say. Amen. Right? So uh, I just said, don't say it. Don't sign off. Don't say goodbye. Don't say amen. And see what happens during the course of your day if your thoughts don't continue to drift back heavenward. The Holy Spirit who indwells every believer has a way of just pulling us back in the conversation with God and pulling us back in the conversation with God. Number five, the other thing that sets great people apart is generosity or giving. They're not stingy people. They're people that, that look at their resources, whether it's, it's time or monetary or whatever type of resources, and they have this attitude that says, whatever I have is yours if it will help. Whatever I have is yours if it will help. An attitude of gratitude and generosity sets you apart because it really, really puts you into the space where your Father God is, who gives freely and who loves to give out of abundance. Proverbs 11.24 says, One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. You know, it's, it's the law of reaping and sowing. You know, if you, if you are, are sowing good, gracious generosity, you will reap it. It'll come back to you. These are the things that, that again, consistently that we see in great people people that God uses, people that are world changers. Now, lastly, let me, if you brought a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Okay, so the disciples are arguing over greatness. And Jesus has taken them aside in Matthew 20, and he's saying, all right, now listen, we need to get something straight here. So, looking at verse 25, he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The recipe in God's kingdom for greatness starts with humility and service. And I think that servant leadership is something that a lot of people think they've got the handle on and, and oh yeah, I, I think I know what that means, but I see it modeled very, very few times in our culture and even in our churches. Because the idea of servant leadership is not, the, is not the ability for you and I to generate enough charisma and jump out in front and get people to lead as we're pulling them along behind us. The servant leader looks around at those people he's in community with or she's in community with, those people who are surrounding their everyday lives, and they say, hey, how can I come in under and support and serve and minister to these people and elevate their quality of life? elevate their skill set, elevate their level of spirituality? How can I put others first in a way that honors God, in a way that follows Jesus, and in so doing, I am leading them to greater spaces of health. I'm leading them to greater areas of influence because I'm serving them. That is the mystery of servant leadership. And if you will commit to becoming a servant leader, let me tell you how it will play out in your life you will become more obedient. You will become more diligent. You will become more teachable. You will find yourself 
dedicating your life to studying the Word of God. You will become more prayer-oriented. You will become more generous. And the cycle just goes round and round and round, and it's collective as you pick up people in the journey. And the next thing you know, we've got this great synergy going to where truly, in God's kingdom, he is making us great people to do great things in the name of Jesus. So, Father, this morning, Lord, again, we give you thanks for the opportunity to speak the truth. And the amazing thing is, God, your scripture is so relevant and so applicable that I could stand in a company of people in some of the most oppressed areas of the world and speak this same truth, and it would still be valid. God, you are not hindered by man's oppression. You are not hindered by man's uh, manipulation. You are not hindered by circumstance or events. And God, you are free to bring out the fullest potential of every one of your children, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the will of God the Father. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so today, I just pray for each of us, Lord, that in our, in our pursuit of success and in our desire to be great, that, Lord, we would look at what that means according to your definition. And that, God, that we would truly, truly step in to being God-fearing people who honor you with obedience, God, who work hard with diligence is unto you, who study the scriptures to know you and to show ourselves approved, who be people who pray without ceasing and people with generous hearts. God, help us to serve one another in Christian love. And thank you again. Thank you for the privilege of being born in this country. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being placed in this community that we call CrossCurrent. God, help us today to worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.